Okay, so we're already recording. I didn't make any adjustments to like knobs or anything because your all your levels were great last show. Okay, but just the show was not <laughs> recorded correctly. The only thing I'm bummed about is like uh, we did when we did this part last time, and uh, we're talking about records or something, and and it, oh no, Coors Light. How my dad drinks Coors Light, and how I kind of like I can drink it now. It's kind of like how he. It's like it's like your dad showing you like a like I don't know like Rod Stewart or something and hating it. And then all of a sudden you like, like it. Well, my mom loved Rod Stewart. Okay. Right. And so now like there's Rod Stewart songs I hear and yeah. I'm like, I love this. Yeah. But like super tramp is the band. Yeah. Like, yeah. A, you mentioned that last as time. a kid. I can't, I couldn't stand them and I'd yeah. have to listen to them on every fucking road trip. Right. And then suddenly like now I'm 40 years old and I'm like, you know, I can see why people don't like them, but they're not that bad. Right. Things yeah. Like it's, it's like that. Yeah, it's, Pretty sweet. It's like I mean, y'all yeah, drink. I'll drink a Coors Light. Well, I'll drink, drink a, to that. Drink a Paps all fucking day. I love Paps. I will drink to and both of those. Sweet. Yes. Yeah, so welcome to three and two and one. And I'm here with my friend Jeff. Jeff, hi. Hello. Jeff. Greetings. How do I say your last name? Monig. <laughs> and I only asked because last time you caught me off guard when you told me. Yeah. Because I always it's, thought it was Monig. Monig is the most common mispronunciation. But you got a nice firm German last name. Yes. Monig. Monig. Yeah. So what do you what do you got going on? What's going on? Uh, not a whole lot. No. Just, uh, yeah, nothing really exciting lately. I suppose. What'd you do today? Uh, worked. How was that? Worked at. Uh, so where do you work, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> I work for a craft brewery in uh, in Orange County. What do you do for that craft brewery? I am a tasting room employee. I'm a bartender. You're beer a bartender. Beer if you tender. Get, uh, kooky with the names kooky but it can yeah. like can legally someone actually call you a bartender or is there like weird regulations because technically you're not a bar uh is there, guess, you have to be called a server or something no i mean no i you know when i fill out my taxes i'm a bartender you're a bartender yeah it's cool uh or i'll say tasting room employee sometimes but i mean that doesn't really make bartenders way easier to explain yeah to people you say you say uh you know tasting room employee no one knows what the hell that is if they're not like really familiar with like you know the craft beer scene and like visiting breweries and stuff we're actually drinking quite a nice beer that you brought with us yeah nice uh and ezra's attacking you yeah the dog is one of my favorite uh my i I love dogs so this is like one of my favorite things to see the dog flip out at my presence. Because, God, he was uh, screaming when you came in, basically. <laughs> I mean, for if a dog could scream, that's essentially what he was yeah. doing. He, it was like you were a rock star, like you were the Beatles walking into yeah, like, in some venue. And I do hear, that. I get that. You get that reaction? Yeah. Never. <laughs> that's just, why it's so cool when it happens. Just when you come over. My, uh, my parents' dog, the family dog, who I like adore, I love that dog, she could give a shit. Oh, really? She was like that. She, now, when my dad would come home, She'll lose it, but care less if I if I showed up. Oh, really? Yeah, that's so, okay. I still love her. How do we know each other? Uh, well, you uh, were a regular at uh, one of my old jobs, which is with the same company, but uh, at a bottle shop just down the way from your house, really. Yeah, and uh, you started coming in fairly frequently, and uh, uh, I think I got your number. So that I could let you know about a specific beer. I think we talked about this last time. It was the uh, 
It was Alpine. It was an Alpine and New Belgium collaboration, I believe. Yeah. And uh, I was able to let you, uh, you know, give you the heads up on that. And so you're able to get. That was a good time. Models. Yeah. It was a cool place. Um, it's similar. It's, a, I mean, it's a, owned by a different company now and they do sort of a similar thing, but not quite. Doesn't have the same vibe. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm much happier doing what I do now. Are you? Yeah. Um, the company's great. Uh, but now I'm like, you know, people don't necessarily just stumble in to our place. So they kind of like. And they used to do that at the old place? Oh, yeah. Come, you know, they come in after they've gotten kicked out from the shitty bar across the street. And uh, I got a. Orange does have a couple of dives. Yeah. I mean, well, they're they're not all shitty. This one just happens to be yeah. a pretty shitty spot. The bar, that is. The bar is a shitty spot. I miss, I miss when you worked there and. It felt like, because this neighborhood has gone through a lot of change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've lived here for 15, over 15 years now. I grew up here. I remember yeah. going to that area when I was a kid, but you know when it was only antique stores. Yeah, and everything closed at 5 o'clock. Yeah. Everything was closed on Mondays. There was only like two places to eat. Yeah. Um, Green and, Records was here, though. Yeah, so Green was here, and I remember seeing it, but I never went into Green while Were I was here. Young? Yeah, yeah. Um, I went to. I did go to Green a lot though when they moved to Tustin, and uh, that was like the shop that I went to when I was in high school a lot. Some deeply religious hardcore guys bought it, I think. Right? Um, well, I don't know. See, what happened was uh, that place was in Tustin off, off on Newport, right? And I remember showing up one day and. They were like, it was like the windows all boarded up and I went yeah. in and I was like, what happened? And somebody drove their car through it. Oh, nice. And uh, that was, that was a pretty weird time. That but, happened over here, that old orange record company or record store that was just open for like a month and like some change. And then it closed one day and they took oh, it. Oh yeah. Out. Well, they moved that place to, I guess it's still considered Tustin, but it was, it was on Tustin and 17th. Oh, and, Green? Yeah, yeah Green yeah. did. And I uh, started going there, and I think those guys were new owners. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that they were super religious dudes. I couldn't tell. They were, And they were also very, very cool. Uh, they, I, liked, yeah. I, liked, I think I liked it better when those guys bought it than before. Like, these guys were really cool and, like, so when very it was approachable. He, when it was here in the circle, so yeah. this is why I brought up the deeply religious thing. Yeah. It's just the, the the store went through a lot of transitions. Uh-huh. So when it was here in the circle, it was like there was crust kids that would hang out there all day. Yeah. And they would play crust stuff, right? Yeah. And so it was a whole different vibe of, like, different kind of punk rock. Orange was like a kind of a... Uh, Crusty magnet. Uh, yeah. Well, bit. I mean, like, bands like, uh, I think, Dystopia from Orange. Yeah. Um but like Ron from Final Conflict used to hang out there all the time, yeah. and and then it moved once, and then when it moved again, those guys bought it, and they were in a Christian hardcore band, mm-hmm. and so the vibe of the store just kind of changed. Like they were carrying different stuff. Not bad. I mean, I'm not like you know yeah. commenting on whether it was good, bad, or different, but it was just it was different, though. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. anyways, hey, so we're gonna talk about music today. Sure, yeah, that's always fun with me. So that'll be good because I think we're gonna talk about um, we're gonna talk a little bit about Jeff's experience with beer and the craft beer community talk a little bit about music and then we're going to segue music into kind of how it shaped our uh, some of our political and social views and um i just found out jeff that you went to college at my alma mater oh right on it's also kevin costner's alma mater <laughs> Field of dreams baby yeah me and me and uh me and casey have uh we share two alma maters we went to the same high school as well what, which high school villa park high school 
Kevin Costner went to Villa Park. Graduated from Villa Park High School. Yeah, it's amazing. What's he doing now? Do we, uh, he I don't know. Playing, uh, playing cowboy, with his money. Playing a cowboy somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> He's always in cowboy movies. I watched Field of Dreams the other day. Actually, I don't. You know what? Embarrassingly enough, I've never seen them. Shut. Yeah. You shut the front door. Yeah, You've I, never seen Field no, of Dreams. No, never. I'm, how is that possible? I don't know. Uh, that's how. I, I don't know. There's plenty of movies that I think I've missed out on that were like from back, back then. And if I saw them now, I probably wouldn't have the same. What year were you born? Eighty-five. So Field of Dreams is eighty-eight. So I mean, yeah, you were three, I was three years old. Yeah. yeah. But I, like, I didn't see The Goonies until I was uh, out of high school. The Goonies came out before you were even born, I think. Right? Yeah, but it's, it's still well, maybe eighty-five. Maybe that is right. Actually, maybe I think it might have been like eighty-three or Doesn't something. Matter. But. Yeah. Uh, that's still a movie that, like, you know, everybody was talking about when I was, like, you know, a kid, and they get so pissed off when I told them I'd never seen it. And they'd then be, I, and then be I finally, pissed? yeah, like, you've like never upset. seen that movie? Well, I mean, kind of like I, I, uh, like it's shocking. I don't know if yeah, I'd be pissed about it. There's a, well, there's a, there's a coworker I have now, and she, she's never seen Back to the Future. Yeah. I know people have never seen Star Wars. Yeah. And that just blew my mind. Yeah. So my kids watch Back to the Future tonight. Really? For the first time. That's great. That's such a great movie. I know. It's, it's right. You know, it, that that movie's kind of stood up to time too. Like yeah. it's a fun watch now. It's, you know, uh, I w- I watched uh, not an entire documentary on it. But I, I didn't finish it, but I started to, and I had to go to work. I think. But um, people, uh, one of the people in the uh, in the documentary said that that is like the closest to a perfect script. Really? Yeah. Like it's it's like airtight, pretty much. What was the documentary? Um, I. I think it might be called like Back to Back to the Future or oh, something really? like that. Yeah, it just it just talks about. I mean, it's kind of a strange thing to make a, a movie about um, because it's it just about the movie. That's so you know the guy who he takes the skateboard away from or the scooter away from and rips it off the top part and then rides it as a skateboard. Yeah, around that was. Well, you mean like the stuntman or something? No, or? the kid who he takes the skateboard from. Oh yeah, I went to high school with that kid. Oh really? Yeah. Nice. His name's John Green. <laughs> totally remember it. And he was also in the Wonder Years. He was like a bully or something in the Wonder oh, Years. Oh, really? But then I, he, did, he stopped acting, I think. I loved that show when I was a kid. Did you? Yeah. Uh-huh. So anyways, so you grew up in Orange. Yeah, grew up in Orange. How was that? It's okay. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it it's a, it's, just, it's changed a lot. Um, I certainly, uh, I like it. I, th- I think if I, um, if I were my age, back like when i was like five or right. something like when i was in grade school basically i i would probably hate this place yeah but uh i feel like it's uh it's sort of grown up a little bit or at least grown more to my liking I, i'm it was much i remember it being a much uh uh more like a bigoted place yeah for sure um, well, I mean, I mean, the KKK started in Anaheim, well, the West Coast, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just, <laughs> it's I mean, one like, city over. yeah, it was uh, so much like, um, weird and unnecessary racism when yeah. I was in school. Um, and I remember being like maybe 10 yeah. or nine or something. And then one day just like clicked and I was like, this is like really shitty yeah. for people to act like this mm-hmm. to these people for really no reason other than the fact that they're, you know, brown. Yeah. Um, and I, 
I'm pretty, uh, actually pretty proud of the fact that I grew up in a fairly, fairly, uh, multi-racial environment. I mean, like I'm glad that people spoke Spanish around me yeah, and that I, you know, kind of needed to learn Orange County stuff. Orange County is more diverse than people give me credit. Yeah. And it's, sure. uh, it's, it's not, not all bad, but there certainly are pockets of just dog shit <laughs> when it comes to people, but, yeah. uh, and, and, uh, you know, people's, uh, it is ideals. like an interesting thing though, because I mean, we have, this wasn't necessarily a topic we were going to talk about, but I guess it's a good topic to discuss. Like given the current climate of the, of the things. nation. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, given what's going on in our political life, what happened yeah. last week, I mean, mm-hmm. there's just, there's a lot of things. Right. And I, I think that it's interesting because Orange County definitely has this reputation of being very, I mean, it's the Reagan Republicans, right? I mean, this is, there's a guy, two vans over there. has like a, a Reagan, um, or two vans over, uh, two streets over oh. on a van who has a Reagan country vote Reagan sticker on his car. I mean, Reagan hasn't run for president since 1984. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, you know, there's still this kind of linging, lingering sort of longing to sort of identify with those kinds of politics in Orange County. But I looked it up, you know, this county went 46% for Obama in 2012. Mm-hmm. You know, this is 3.2. Three million people? That's a lot of people who voted Democrat in the last election. Yeah, I think it's definitely leveled out, you know, or evened out um, since since I was a kid. And I like that because, I mean, I remember having a conversation with a friend in high school and uh, they wanted to get out of the area as soon as possible. Yeah, you still hear that sometimes. Sure. I mean, as soon as we graduated they want to just like leave and i at the time i mean like i'm much more open to like leaving now but i still like this place a lot but i mean i was very gung-ho about like no i like i like this place uh i mean there's terrible things about it but uh i think if you you know if if we all like stayed yeah like you know if we all ended up like you know raising families in this place and and you know uh, created young people that like, you know, really, uh, you know, that were good people, right. you know, and, you know we'd, you'd change it from the inside, you know, right. um, instead of like just having everybody leave, um, like running away from it. Instead yeah. Of, you yeah. Know, yeah. And make, why not it make it, why not make it ours? You know? Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, I feel like more that that may have happened in some some ways like you know people that are you know have similar values and ideals to myself and and all that you know stuck around and uh have you know they're changing and I mean, from the inside i mean like it's it, orange county almost mimics what's going on in the entire country right i mean we just have shifting demographics i mean old yeah. white people are not the minority they're not the majority anymore no. and and uh, i think people um of like uh my parents generation they tend to uh i see i think uh really like shit on like the this younger generation and um and and i and call them lazy and like uh apathetic and stuff but i think that there are serious uh uh social like uh values that this generation is like really you know passed on and like 
and, and spread and like that they, they hold and um it's a much more um empathetic and uh um socially aware generation than it's given credit for i mean like it's very rare i mean i'm sure it still happens but i hear way fewer stories about you know like uh you know uh like gay kids getting like yep. you know beat yep. down no, at know. school and like people like you know they're people look out for you know uh different you know uh, like minority groups a lot a lot more than yeah than when I, was I, I mean i i posted something on social media earlier today i mean i i get the sense personally that millennials are the generation that's going to save us all good <laughs> i mean yeah. honestly it's like as much as i know you and i talked about hating that term millennial and you're kind yeah. of on the bubble of it and <laughs> Yeah. All of that. But I mean, but really, I mean, if you think about a lot of the qualities that that are associated with being in that age group, mm-hmm. it is empathy, probably yeah. more than any other group ever before. Yeah. It's interest in the climate, which yes. has never been there like it has with this generation. Mm-hmm. It's um, really understanding issues like income inequality or at least having a better grasp of them. Because to be honest with you, they're the ones getting shit on the most by the, a lot of that. Yeah. Um, that gig economy and all that shit. Yeah. Um, it's equality, social equality for all people. Mm-hmm. I mean, LGBT embracing yes. the LGBTQ community. I mean, with everything. And then you have today, the GOP platform comes out for the convention and they put in an amendment in their platform that says we want a constitutional ban on gay marriage. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> no, I did not see that. How mind blowing yeah. is that? I mean, how out of touch with your, your you constituency know, and just like, well, I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's their constituency, but how out of touch with millions and millions and millions of Americans that are eventually going to, you know, yeah, be making yeah, decisions. Exactly. Um, I, we kind of jumped straight into the social sort of yeah, stuff. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand, um, people's, uh, people's like reluctancy and like their, their, um, fear, man. F- yeah, definitely fear of just like understanding, like learning and understanding about other groups, people. I think that most people, when it comes to um, uh, equality, like uh, equality to people who have, I guess, uh, more rights or whatever, are. Uh, I'm, I'm totally fucking this up here. No, you're I good, can't, man. I can't. Yeah, uh, no, you're, can't you're actually you're doing yeah, fine because I think I know the road you're going down. We keep it, going. Well, equality. Uh, look or people uh, getting equality um, right. to uh, some people means that they are losing rights. Right. You know, it, I couldn't have said that. I could have said that a little better, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure my heterosexual marriage has been completely unaffected by the fact that two of my best friends that are gay are married. You yeah, know what I mean? Like exactly. there's just zero residual effect. Mm-hmm. If anything, yeah. I'm just happier because I'm happy for them. Yeah, I. And <laughs> I mean, your son. Does your son come home and like we we had to learn about, uh, you know, you know, uh, men marrying men and totally does. Yeah, yeah, all, he, the, time, you know, all the time, right? Every it's day. like, and he's like really like upset and like confused by it, totally. and like, you know, I'm gonna have to send him to a deprogramming camp. Probably. Yeah, his his grades are suffering, and yeah, he's yeah. just a bad person now. Yeah. It's really, it's really traumatic. No, but I mean, I like, and it's, you know, I don't want to discount people's feelings because I understand, look, you know, 
it's hard, right? You grew up in a household in a certain way. You've always thought in a certain way and the world is changing very fast all around you. Right. And you know, so it's, it's, I, I understand that that's a difficult challenge for some people, but at some point you also have to realize like the fight's over. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, like at some point you have to just say, you know, this, this ship has sailed and you know, the yeah. way the, I mean, part of it is that whole idea that like for a lot of folks, and I think like the current political climate is perfect breeding ground for, or, you know, a perfect breeding ground, but a perfect place for this whole idea to be exacerbated is, you know, people are pining on for America that never really existed. Yeah. See, I mean, you said like the world is changing so fast uh, or in so many ways. And I, I get that. But I also think that the world hasn't changed so much in that, like, there have always been gay people. Yeah, there true. have always been people of color. There have always been, you know, uh, people who from, you know, like since like their their first memories have felt uncomfortable yeah. uh, with their their bodies and like you know presenting themselves in a certain way that that uh you know the rest of uh, the world has decided is proper right and um it they just now are you know uh there's just enough people that are willing to you know fight for recognition and yeah. uh and equality and that's uh that's you know that's that's just uh you're, you're it's nothing new like it's not like a yeah. a weird like uh, well and the work you know? and, and the world the work of any civil rights movement is never done right there's never i mean there's yeah. no group that's not basically it's not white men that yeah. doesn't have everything they they need or should have right so yeah. that i mean there's there's the awakening phase right of social justice movements right mm-hmm. where it's like people come to terms with with that and then there's all the actual work that goes in after that to truly try to get equality which frankly no group is there women aren't there mm-hmm. you know people of color are not there the gay community is definitely not there because right. if you look at all of these that's probably the most recent there's been a lot yeah. of stuff since orlando in the media about kind of the history of the gay social justice movement mm-hmm. i mean i don't think people understand like, like how actually bloody and difficult and challenging that has been oh, for yeah. that whole community yeah and um yeah, it, while Ezra eats you. Yeah, it's the dog it's jumping up on me. All right, buddy. Ezra, come here. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been like, uh, I mean, I can't, I, I, I can't speak from experience on this right. thing, but I mean, like, I, you know, I, uh, it, it's it's been terrible, and like, you know, you look at, uh, uh, what was that, the the Stonewall yeah, incident? Stonewall, yep. That's, I think that's that that bar is going to be considered a national, national monument, monument yep. now yep. yeah um i remember uh reading about that in college and was just like blown away like these people just had enough and they're getting you know beat down and arrested simply for yeah hanging out in in a bar you can still be fired for being gay just about in any almost any state at this point you really can, yeah you can be fired for being gay so <clears throat> that was interesting you know post orlando people were talking about how how many states still have that law in the books? Like hmm. you, you couldn't give blood, even though victims needed blood really badly. Oh really yeah. Okay. And you could also get fired for being gay at the same time. Wow. But then there, at the same time, there's just like this national outcry over people that we lost. Right. But, mm-hmm. but no one wants to recognize those people as being equal necessarily. Yeah. Terrible. It is. So, Hey, we were going to talk about beer first. Yeah. Sure. We never we really that. got to yeah. that. <laughs> 
pretty good. I like it. This beer is okay. <laughs> what do you, uh, I mean, <clears throat> and in line with the whole kind of how culture has shifted or whatever and how millennials have have taken over or whatnot, the whole craft beer thing is quite an interesting uh, experience, huh, for you? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty pretty wild. I think uh, it's very much like a a collector collectible thing, and uh, it it's like fucking Pokemon or something. <laughs> Are you playing you know? Pokemon Go? Oh hell no. no, no, no. Why not? Come I, on, I can't do that, man. I uh, I like to give uh, my I have a couple coworkers. Um, that are playing, I like to give them shit. So the other night, my girlfriend's playing it too. Is she? The other night, there was three guys outside of my house on their cell phones, all staring at yeah. their phones, and I'm like, "What? What is going on here?" Yeah. And then a guy on a bike came down and sat on my curb, like, and started like staring at his cell phone. And this is all like at 9:30 at night, and we're going, "What's happening?" And then suddenly, I realized I had read something earlier in the day about Pokemon Go. So I downloaded it really quickly. Yeah, went outside. Sure enough, we're fostering a, a Pokemon. <laughs> it's so it's so weird to me. I also have heard about. I mean, this has been all over the internet about uh, groups of people that are using that game to lure people into yeah. like weird, sketchy areas and then uh, jump them. them. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that crazy. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so you're gonna collect Pokemon the way you collect beer? No. No, 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 no. Uh, I have enough. Uh, I, I, when I collect something, I get kind of crazy about it. And uh, what do you I, collect? Uh, records. What records else besides records? Thing. And I mean, some beer. Um, I, uh, I like DVDs and like books. Like I buy so many books that I don't end up reading, which makes oh, yeah. it's terrible. I mean, things like that. I just kind of like feel like I need to have this thing and. Right, I should probably cut down on stuff. I'll see. I'll see like a recommendation stuff. for a book on social media somewhere, yeah. or someone will tell me about a book. I'll whip out my phone, mm-hmm. go on Amazon, see it used for a penny, and buy it on the spot. <laughs> and I'll do that like every single time. And it, it, yeah, and it's like I feel okay about it because it's used and it's coming from Goodwill in like Glendale, Arizona, or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm paying basically a penny plus three ninety nine for shipping, so yeah. four dollars for some used book. And then if you go in my house right now, my nightstand looks like my bookshelves, like <laughs> with un, with unread stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, just stuff I haven't read yet. Oh, another thing that I've been collecting kind of like crazy lately is it's a weird like fad that's come up with these like enamel pins. Oh, okay, I know. Pins are huge again. Yeah. Pins and patches both. They're so rad. There's a really cool Instagram page called um, Patch Game. Yeah, Patch Game, Patch Wars. Yeah, and I just – I've been buying all these uh, – pins that are um related to like the uh like album covers from old punk records oh nice there's a uh, one called lost and found bootlegs that's pretty killer that's and, pretty then, and then poser gear and those are just pretty insane i uh i have to buy them uh my yeah, friend does this little close. like vegan like clothing accessory pin thing yeah and was saying that the enamel pins are what sell like crazy. Like, yeah, that's, they're, that's the big thing. They're awesome, man. I mean, it's like Disney nerd collector. Seriously, stuff. yeah, that's so weird. So anyway, so all right, so so the beer thing. What do you? I mean, what what brought what got you like into like the craft beer thing? Uh, like to the point where you're doing it as a job. 
Uh, well, I... When I started drinking, uh, like, like beer and stuff, you know, like after I turned 21, I was able to buy beer. I, uh, I, for whatever reason, decided I didn't want to drink cheap, regular beer. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, my dad and all my uncles drank and still drink Coors Light, um, but uh, I didn't want to do that, and so I kind of just like looked at, like looked for stuff that was different, and that started with like you know, it's not even like craft beers, but like you know, I started drinking like Guinness and New Newcastle and things <laughs> like that, and then, uh, then discovered, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, Sierra Nevada yep. Pale Ale was a big one and then, that's a gateway drug right there yeah, uh, yep. the bigger one for me was uh, Deschutes Black Butte and Mirror Pond really and uh, those really got me into that stuff and then uh, started going to Hollingsheads which oh, yeah. is you know, the best to, yeah for people who don't know who that is or what that is it's a uh, pretty awesome deli family owned multi-generational yeah yeah um, and uh, they have a ridiculous amount of beer uh, they sell. And they, um, you know, that was a place I remember going there and, and trying all kinds of stuff. They used to just like have side stacks, stacks of Pliny the Elder that you yeah. could just buy as much as you wanted. Yeah. I remember not having any problem drinking, like buying that beer. When, they, then, when they would have younger come in, oh, yeah. it would last it a like week. two weeks. It would last something. a week. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, more. Yeah. I remember drinking like three in one day. Yeah. No big deal. Um, and didn't think a thing of it, and then all of a sudden, I found out that that's uh, it was such a big deal to to get. Yeah, that now you have to wait. Now you have to wait overnight. Yeah, I, for it. I will not wait in line. My friend, my friend Fairbrook, he was on episode two or three. He um, he's the regular of the regulars at at Hollingshead. Mm -hmm. So he has now officially, for the last I think five years, been the first person in line waiting Holy overnight. Shit. Yeah. I, yeah. It's his annual tradition. Oh, huh? my gosh. Those things, like those events where people wait in line, like... I can't more, do that. More power to you, but I can't and no. won't do it because they the whole process of waiting in line entails drinking throughout the night as well. And so by the, the morning, you're just <laughs> hammered and exhausted and probably like sweaty and smelly and gross yeah. from, and just sweating booze out of your Only body. beer... I would wait, or I did wait in line for, or no, sorry, let me go back. The only beer I've seen really good justification for waiting in line for was when West Lateran came. Uh, that was that was a reason to wait in line for a beer. Yeah. But aside I worked, from that. I worked for a place that I was able to get a bottle of it without yeah. having to wait in line. But uh, I ended up with two bricks, 12 That's total. pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, I still have some. I think I have three I, or four left. I have, I think, two bottles from yeah. that same release and they uh, taste better and better every year really that's cool yeah no um yeah it's so yeah beer was just something that i kind of like got into and then um one of my best friends uh got a homebrew kit and started brewing his own beer and i thought that was awesome and i wanted to do it so i got uh, a homebrew kit um nice. for christmas and then i uh brewed my first batch on new year's day <laughs> and uh it was it was great i mean the beer was not great but i mean it was a lot of fun yeah and it was really cool to be able to like 
show up to a party with beer that you made yourself. Do you ever miss being on that side of the the thing, like, or think that maybe you should have tried pursuing brewing instead of like working on more of the business side or like the serving uh, side and management side and stuff? Maybe uh, every once in a while I think about it. Um, brewing is a hard life, though. Brewing brewers work so hard. Yeah, I think the the. Um, that whole uh, job and everything is, is romanticized quite a bit. Yeah. Um, those guys work so hard. And, uh, you know, should be paid a lot more. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it's it's a tough... tough I mean, some gig. of those guys make minimum wage to, like, make beer, basically. I, not I, much more than minimum wage. I don't know. I, I can't really attest to that. I don't know. But I uh, I, I do know that they, you know... For the work and everything they do, it's 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 definitely a, you know, it's 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 for love of the craft sort of thing, right. You know? Which you know that that I'm a person that you know I I I like to appreciate things that are made mm-hmm. like with care, right? Sure, and, that was another thing that drew drew me to it, as right? Well. So that's I mean for me that's always been my big thing is mm-hmm. I like to I like to actually like drink something and think about the time and the effort and the capital Absolutely. someone invested in this and that mm-hmm. it wasn't just like a product someone just churned out. There was like, there was love behind it. There was, yeah. a, there was a purpose. The person did it with, with meaning. Yeah. You know? More than just pressing a button and then the beer comes out. Right. Um, <laughs> on a digital screen now, like a put touch, you know, which I mean, even yeah. like your brewery probably has like the nice, like iPad sort of interfaces. And there kind of are stuff, but. more computers that are, uh, that are involved now, but it, there's still quite a bit of, labor yeah uh, that it entails and those, like i said those guys they work really hard man and um, it's an ancient art i mean oh yeah super yeah I mean, super ancient and uh it's amazing that uh you know been able to like perfect it so it, much and then at the end the end of this whole process right of creating this beer whether it be an experimental beer a super high abv dense beer or you know or just something light kind of like what we're drinking now mm-hmm. It brings people together, which yeah, is absolutely. the really beautiful part of it. So what I – yeah, I, I, I love, um, you know, sharing beer with people um, and and talking about beer a little bit is, is great while you're doing it. But um, I think that uh, the, the beer should be the facilitator of great conversation or like it should be the thing that like keeps you – Hanging out, the lubricant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you uh, you're able to you know stick around longer and and hang out with your buddies and like talk about stuff because you have to finish this beer and or you know open up another one or whatever. Right. Rather than just like dissecting the beer in every way and talk about how oh you know last last batch last year's batch tasted way better and right. this, oh I think this has uh, whatever and you know it. I mean, it's it's certainly okay to talk about it like that. I just feel like it shouldn't be the only thing. Right. Like, it shouldn't be the only subject. Like and and uh so like like what we're doing now, like we're able to enjoy this and have cool conversation and um you know, touch on the beer and stuff, but uh for the, for the most part it's just kind of like it's just helping us with one thing I I got I have to say that Budweiser they produced that commercial that kind of made fun of craft beer. Yeah, and then started buying and then started the and then bought like St. Archer like following yeah. week or something like that. Um, at least I think they bought St. Archer. Maybe Miller Coors. I don't know. I don't really care. Yeah. Um, but 
they weren't really wrong in how they represented some of the people in craft beer, <laughs> like the dude with the ironic mustache that was like talking about notes in his beer and stuff. I mean, that's all fine to an extent, but yeah. like you said, it's 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 a piece. It should be a piece of something else, right? It should be an sure. accompaniment to like good company mm-hmm. and doing things, right? It shouldn't be like. You know, I like that. I, that's, I mean, I got really into it for a long time and collected a lot of bottles myself and eventually yeah. sold a lot of them off. But mm-hmm. I, I couldn't understand that whole hoarder mentality or like the super arrogant, you know, understanding like all the flavor profiles perfectly and like arguing about it and stuff. Like, I just never understood that. I just want friends to come over and share a beer. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I got really, I, I got really into doing that originally and, uh, I was a pretty, I was I was a fairly big beer nerd, but nothing's like made me uh, become like less of a beer nerd than working. I was gonna say that must have an industry. effect on it, right? It, I mean, I, I I love it still, and I can uh, I can I can shoot the shit with anybody about you know uh, dissecting beer and 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 talk about you know flavor profiles and ingredients and you know you know what what this strain of yeast will do uh, rather than this one. Um, but, uh, and, you know, different hop varietals, all that stuff. But, um, I don't like to for, yeah. for too long, you know, right. I'd, I'd rather like, like, Oh yeah, this beer's great. Yeah, it is. It's good. How about uh, the so Lakers? Anyways, yeah. The yeah. Lakers are, you know, making moves right now, which they are. Yeah. You're a big stuff. Lakers fan. Huh? I am. Yeah. I don't know anything about basketball anymore. I just know no. how to pl- I know how to play it a little bit, but <laughs> I played it for m- about half of my life. Yeah, I did too, and uh, it was great. I played it for more than half my life. I yeah. played high school, then I played every day. I had a job that it worked with. Basically, mm. I played it every day for about ten years in the same pickup game at lunch every day. Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah. I, 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 I the sort game of still a- exists, to the best of my knowledge, too. <laughs> oh, right on. Yeah. yeah, so I, I kind of felt there was like a couple years where I kind of thought I was like. You know, I can't like sports if I it's not consider cool. myself a punk. Yeah, can't do that. But uh, sports, sports are important, man. Uh, yeah, it's another thing yeah. that brings people together. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it's 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 very much a uh, unifier, and um, it's just it's great and they're fun. I've got my issues with professional sports, but. Well, I mean, there are certainly there's always issues with professionals. I I dislike certain things about it as well, but uh, I can't look at salaries. It doesn't. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I think that's a big thing. That a lot. Of, I mean, I I won't even begin to try to to justify it. I I can't. But that's just how that is. And, I mean, you can justify it with like pure unadulterated capitalism, right? Like, hey, sure. the players present this much money to the owner because of their they're wearing a uniform and yeah. well, I mean, playing well and then spend so much money to go to games, to go to these things and watch so. them on TV and mm-hmm. advertising and everything else. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So you like you were saying a second ago, coming up as like a punk rock kid, you're probably yeah. like trying to find excuses not to like sports. Yeah. Um, so punk the thing rock is shaped, that I, shaped, who you, shaped, yeah. <laughs> shaped you in that respect. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, there's certain things that you kind of just like you grow out of that doesn't necessarily. I mean, you think plays a bigger part in like what you know. Like there are certain things that I thought were way bigger uh, part. Like played a bigger part in being a, a punk 
or you know in punk rock in general um that really i don't believe do anymore like i don't have to you know wear spikes on my my jacket i don't oh man no studded belt anymore no not anymore (laughs) i i try not to wear leather either so uh is that a moral thing yeah, I became a vegetarian um, I didn't know that. a couple months ago. Oh. So uh, I sort of like uh, – it's something I'd thought about for a long time, but uh, uh, finally – Is vegan the next step? the trigger on it. I try to – it's sort of like – I kind of try to be as close to yeah. vegan as I can. Um, but yeah, I mean possibly. I have an awesome excuse for not being a vegan. Yeah, what's that? I consider myself a meat minimalist. Meat minimalist, okay. So I just eat less meat than probably what the normal average American does. Right on. That's just that's my moral choice, you yeah. know. I guess it's well. I mean, it's just it's just a that's exactly. I mean, it's what health, it's a, right? It's, it's yeah. a choice, you know. It's yeah. uh, it's I just don't want to eat that much meat, to be honest. Yeah, I it, for me, it just kind of it was something I'd always thought about, and uh, I um, started to feel really weird about eating meat yeah um and uh time was right to just try it i was originally just not going to eat mammals well uh but then pescatarian or whatever well i and then birds i guess yeah i mean chicken is probably what i miss the most when it comes to like eating meat but it's not that big of a deal fake chicken turns out is really good there's so many good meat substitutes in fact there's a Ezra Klein, you know Ezra Klein is the guy who yeah. runs Vox. Yeah, so he's got a podcast too, and um, too like a, like more equals or something. Mm. <laughs> he's got a very popular podcast <laughs> that he does through the Vox Network or whatever. And he's had he's vegan, and it's a recent thing for him. And he's had two different people on talking about the future of fake meat. Mm-hmm. And I haven't listened to the new one yet, but it's a it's a meat that actually bleeds. It's a fake meat that looks Whoa. so much like real meat that it actually bleeds. I saw something. Uh, I think it was something on the internet a while ago about a guy who's growing meat yeah. in labs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Ezra had an interview with a guy like him too. Really? With like that. Yeah. There's, there's a weird, basically I, you make I, a steak and it's yeah. your dish. Yeah. I thought about that though. I mean, he like, he made a hamburger and he, right. he, he grew a hamburger and he ate it. But something about that to me that doesn't, um, doesn't sit right with well, me. Why do that, you like, want to be vegan and then constantly be trying to like, eat meat still right i mean if you're i mean shouldn't you embrace i mean my thought is like if you're gonna do it uh-huh. like embrace it and do and understand that you're doing it for a reason and that you don't want to eat meat anymore and that's kind of the purpose so you're gonna focus more on vegetables and grains and things like yeah that. oh plant-based stuff yeah but um yeah. i think like the the fake meat thing is is a really good you know transition thing yeah I, I've, sure. I've heard that a lot of um I you know heard on like seen on documentaries and that I've watched recently and then like you know read a few things about how you know long time vegans a lot of them don't like they totally renounce the fake meat thing because right. it's just like you know it's 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 posing right. well kind of it's like reconnecting you to the thing you're trying to get away from right right uh, however like you know I like I said like fried chicken I will. Oh, like it still smells so good yeah. to me, and I I like miss it. But uh, you need to go to Veggie Grill and order the Southwest chicken sandwich, the best. Okay, nice. so good. I went to Veggie Grill a couple weeks ago. I, love I, that I place. got uh, I got the fried chicken yeah. sandwich. Yeah, it was great. But 
Yeah, but the the thing about the growing meat thing is that like you know he now those are animal cells that he's just like basically cloning and like right. uh, re, uh, you know uh, reproducing. Um, and if you you don't believe in uh, causing like you know suffering towards an animal, well, an animal had to give up that tissue. Yeah, in some ways, so it's it didn't come without a. Uh, you know, a, a life was given for that. Yeah. So, uh, but that's, that's, you know, you can take that or leave it, but I uh, had to it's, make it's it. really interesting though. I, I remember seeing that and being like, wow, like, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty wild around this time of year, summer, right? So or this, this is summer. So around this time of year, we're, we're all grilling a lot more, mm-hmm. right? As I mean, we're Americans, right? So right. we're all eating food outside all the time. Yeah. And that like every time this kind of kicks into gear, right? Mm-hmm. I start thinking about all that stuff. Like, like, what's my moral compass pointing me to right now? Like I just yeah. ripped open this like package of hamburger meat to make hamburger patties and it's blood all over my hands. It's right. like literally blood on your <laughs> blood hands. On your- <laughs> and I'm kind of going, God, uh, every year I say it's going to be the year where I like finally commit to it and do it right. Yeah. Or at least really pull back, like really truly pull back where like meat is an occasional, like almost like a treat. Type mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. You know? Um, well, I don't pretend to be any kind of expert on this thing. So yeah. I, like I said, I, it's it's been like it's been like two and a half months. Well, since kudos I've to you for stopped uh, eating yeah. meat. So uh, I don't pretend to be some kind of like <laughs> punk rock uh, shaped that decision at all. A big big part, yeah. Yeah. Um, my my sister has been a ve- my younger sister, youngest sister has been a, a vegetarian for about two years now. Okay. And so seeing, you know. Uh, you know, family member do it so easily, uh, kind of made me think about it a lot more. And then I've, uh, you know, my my best friend's been a vegetarian since we were ten years old. Oh, really? And uh, that was always. I mean, that's I get serious respect for that because he was able to, you know, go so long without without doing that. Well, and that takes a supportive set of parents too, right? To like be like, cool, yeah, You'd, sure, Johnny or whatever their name is, mm-hmm. like. You don't have to eat the meal we're eating. We'll we'll make your special meal, or you yeah. know, we'll go out to a place that has something that works for you. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think it. You know, it, it for me personally, it was like it was just I was able to, I guess, comfortably try it out, and uh, it was way easier than I gave you it cover. Give you some cover having people around you that were already doing it. Yeah, and uh, you know. You know, I wasn't like you know living at home where they just, you know, there was meat at every on in every right, meal, right. and it was uh, it was less of a, a hassle to other people. And now it's it's just like it's on me if I want to. Then like right when you have I, control I, over your own situation, it's a yeah. lot easier. If I want to eat meat, then I I'll eat meat, but I just don't want to. But so, uh, yeah, punk punk played a big part in that. Yeah, so I was going to ask, what else did punk rock change for you? Or what else did punk rock shape for you? Because I mean, I think it does that for all of us who grew up with yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and what if, what what is stuck and what hasn't? Oh um, well, I I remember. Uh, so last time we talked, we we talked quite a bit about uh, about Nirvana, and I remember reading um, liner notes for the Incesticide record. And Kurt Cobain wrote this like 
uh, long, I don't know what you'd call it, an essay or something. Yeah. Um, and he finished it uh, by saying, you know, this is right after, you know, never mind, you know, exploded and they were, uh, their fan base was made up of all kinds of people. And uh, he, he said in the, in the, uh, the liner notes that, you know, if you, uh, if you hate or disrespect, you know, women, people of color or, uh, homosexuals, uh, please don't come to our shows. We don't want you as fans. Hmm. And, uh, that was something that I was like, wow. And, and then I, uh, read about how, you know, he, uh, uh, was somewhat of an ally to, uh, the gay community, uh, or tried to be yeah. at least. And, um, and also quite the feminist. Yeah. You know, he was, uh, uh, good friends with Kathleen Hanna from Bikini Kill. And, right. uh, so yeah, that, that whole thing, like, uh, you know, I was very young and just starting to like, uh, like, you know, learn what it, you know, what homosexuality was. Right. So, and then people would just get, uh, really like people would throw the F word around a lot oh, man, I know. in school. And when you're young, uh, I was thinking that's not a word you hear much as at, at least no, I don't, I don't hear I'm, it nearly and, as much as I used yeah, to. And I'm, I'm guilty of having used that word a whole sure. lot. And then I remember, you know, uh, in junior high, I just said like to myself, I just kind of like clicked and was like, I don't, it's not a, it's not a, a, a thing to say. Yeah. Like, I don't I, and I don't like to say it. I mean, I, I, so there, you know, that, and then, um, feminism was something that, uh, introduced me. You know, I realized you don't have to be female to be yeah. a, a feminist. And, uh, I consider myself one. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, punk, punk rock, played a part in that you know with you know the riot girl movement and <clears throat> seeing um women play such uh you know playing like big roles in in a band and like being like the the not just like you know not just like having a, a pretty girl sing out front right. or like you know these were great musicians like people who uh were you know, standing up uh, on stage and playing like this really awesome music and that had like a, a message and a purpose and it was kind of a man's world. Yeah. And, you know, they demanded respect and, uh, you know, I, I thought that was awesome. Um, so it was that. Um, my... <laughs> Left-leaning politics, certainly. Uh, yeah. Political ideals, I mean, certainly comes from that. Um, I, From a fairly conservative family, and uh, I always, when I grew up just only, like always uh, hearing like this, the conservative side of things. And, uh, you know, that's, that's fine. But uh, there was a whole other side, and to me, that just made more sense. What age did you kind of feel like that whole side made itself available to you? Um, uh, it was probably around like fourteen. It was probably like in eighth grade. Yeah. Um, when I started to think about that, 
a lot more. Um, and I think, you know, one, you're 14, so you think you know everything. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I'd hear things and it'd make sense to me and, and I would, you know, do you think like so? Well, do you think some of that was like natural rebellion against your parents or do you think it was? Oh yeah, stuff I'm sure were, it was. Yeah. yeah. A lot of it was, uh, just rebellion for rebellion's sake. Right. Yeah. Uh, I was never like, a. Uh, like I, I never really got in, in, in trouble. Yeah. I didn't really, I like, uh, I don't know, fucking breaking windows or doing stupid shit like that. Like small crime stuff never really appealed to me anyways. Like I pretty pointless. Yeah. Um, so I guess any kind of rebellion that I had was more of just like a, uh, of the, of the mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, so I, you know, started, uh, paying attention. I mean, I paying more attention to political and social issues and Do you think I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not really an activist I, or anything like that, but I, I just started paying more attention to it and, and realizing that, you know, it's important to like, at least be aware of things yeah. and, and, uh, being able to, you know. Was there, bullshit when was you, there like a particular record that like shook you? Oh, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I'll tell you mine. So yeah. on the last, on the last podcast with my friend LaShawn, uh, I mentioned it. Fear oh of, yeah. Yeah. Fear of a black planet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that yeah. completely changed my life. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's not punk rock. I was in yeah, a lot of ways. Like I, as say punk it ethos, right? Yeah, you know, but the, I was way into hip hop before I was ever into punk rock, mm. for sure. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I. It's a yeah, great record, and talk about like <clears throat> discovering something that tells a different side of right of uh you know of, of the world. Like it's you know you're you're a, a straight white man learning about. Yeah, and I didn't know, you know any, and I didn't know any black people. Yeah, like where I, I mean, I went to a, a elementary school. I, I can, I, I remember one kid mm-hmm. in junior high, which is when I got into it. Yeah, African American kid that I actually got along really great with, mm-hmm. but that was the limit of my experience, to be right. honest. And then so hearing Chuck D talk about mm-hmm. like what was going on and like. You know, in a lot of what he talked about was, you know, centered on New York and in urban America, but America kind of writ large, right? Certainly, um, yeah. And what two hundred years of you know, or even more than that, of oppression will will do to a group of people? Yeah. So like, just was mind blowing to me. Mm-hmm. I just got into it. I was just like, this ain't cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I I don't know if I have a record per se, but I I just uh, I remember like really getting into to music and and like um kind of like reading as much as i could about certain bands and um kind of like finding out a certain uh you know like hearing about a specific like uh topic or viewpoint and then like reading into that a little did bit did you get into like chomsky uh, and stuff uh, a little bit howard zinn was my favorite Zinn's, yeah, yeah um, awesome. oh you know what when it comes to I saw Zinn speak once. Did he? Was that a Chapman? Yeah, dude, were you there? Uh, no, my friend was. Um, uh, that... I flew home from Europe that morning. Oh, wow. Actually, I was there with friends, and I came home. My brother had tickets waiting for me, and we went. We walked over and watched it. That's it was so cool. amazing. Yeah. 
I, I really wish I could. I, was, I just remember that whole day was just crazy because I'm like 12 hour flight. Yeah. Get home, drop my shit off, try to sleep. And then my brother's like, hey, let's go. We're going to walk over and see how it was like surreal. I was like, wow, That's this so is how awesome. I'm ending my day. That's so great. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, oh, just to finish that, Dead Kennedys are probably a, yeah. a, a, a band that really kind of like uh, opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. Um, I was a really big fan of the Dead Kennedys. I always had an issue with. DK is not an example, but I always had an issue with some bands like Crass will be one, for example. Uh-huh. I had an issue with bands that were that were just strictly about destroying systems mm-hmm. and anarchist, you know, crust and anarcho punk bands. Yeah, and bands mm-hmm. that actually talked about, you know, if you build community, you do need some rules around those communities, and like mm-hmm. how they should be governed and stuff like that, as opposed to just kind of like flat out anarcho. Right. Tribalism type stuff. So there was always like a little bit of conflict in me because I'm always like, well, I feel like I'm kind of more like a like a liberal, like left-leaning voter. Like I'm okay with right. participating in our system of government to an extent. I just want it to represent my views mm-hmm. and less like interested in just abolishing everything, you know? Yeah, but I think like with Crass in particular, like they, you know, when it, come, when it came to like their message and everything and like what, what was released as far as like, you know, literature and, and music and stuff – um, they definitely talked about like destroying systems and things, but uh, their place, the dial house out in the countryside, yeah, right. they totally like created like a fairly self-sufficient community right. there. That is, uh, it's very, it's, it's open, which is what all anarchists say they want. You yeah. Know? And I mean, and it's, their goal. they've made it last for like 40 years now. It was in danger not too long ago, I think. It was more like, it was like 10 years ago. Was uh, it that long ago? Yeah, it was a while. They, uh, they reached out for like donations and stuff. I remember reading about that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, there's a really cool crass documentary. I think it's called, uh, well, it's not, uh, oh, there's no, the only, uh, oh man, what is it? <laughs> I was thinking it's the day the country died, but that's just the one on like just anarcho punk yeah. from from England. But uh, there's no authority but yourself. That's oh, the name of the I haven't seen that. documentary. It's really cool and uh, Steve uh, Ignorance in it and stuff. And, yeah, and, and Penny Rimbaud, um, yeah. and he talks about how you know he'll be in debt for the rest of his life, but he um, was able to you know secure that place. It's it's in a it's in a trust or whatever, and yeah. the place is is theirs. So, uh, that's really cool. Um, but yeah, Gr- I, I totally like that, didn't like, understand that until I was like, I yeah. didn't understand crass fully, or I don't know if I still fully understand them, but I got a better grasp on like what they're about and respected it a lot more yeah. after, you know, I was probably like in my late twenties. I don't think anything they're asking for is all that complicated. Like I, I get the whole anarcho punk pitch, mm-hmm. right? So to speak, like my yeah. brother was a philosophy major of, at Berkeley and he's into anarchist anarchism yeah. or anarchy, uh, anarchism. <laughs> I think both of those work. Yeah. Especially the photo, Whatever. Uh, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, so I mean, I, I, I get it and I understand it. Right. Yeah. And I know what, what the want is there. Yeah. Right. I just don't know if I agree with that necessarily. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, I don't know if like burning everything down and starting over. Like I actually do think, I actually do think we need some some way to kind of regulate and contribute to something much larger than a small commune, you know what I mean? Because I mean that's not really representing like yeah. sort of the reality of living with of course millions I, and millions of people. I think it's more of like an you know, it's, it's, too like insular an ideal. Too. it's an ideal and all that, but it's uh you know, it's far less likely than, you know, 
changing things through, uh, you know, your votes and, yeah, you know, it's, so it's, it's something to kind of like look about or, you know, look at, think about, and kind of like, you can like, you can, um, well, here's, you can here. practice, you, you can practice certain parts yeah. of that, you know, little pieces at a time. And then, right. you know, who knows, but, uh, it's not like I'm shooting for that or anything like that. No, no, no. And it's here's just, the part that's frustrating to me is that you, you create this like insular environment, right? Where mm-hmm. you're, you have a small group of people. I mean, small in relative terms, even if you had a couple thousand people, it'd still be small. Mm-hmm where you've created your own system and your own set of rules. And within those rules, there's probably a lot of things that, you know, I would agree with the quality and things like that and mm-hmm. equal, equal pay for equal work. And like, you know, you know, some sort of like equity in the whole thing or whatever. And like all that would be great. The problem is, is that you've now created a system that lives outside of millions of people who probably need help with being recognized in those ways. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where do you want to do the most work? Do you want to do the most work to create a community for you and your friends? Or do you want to do the most work to create a, you know, a system that works for, for, you know, everybody. Do you see right, what I'm saying? Right, yeah. Cause I mean, you just basically ostracize yourself from, you know, lots of people that could use people that are passionate about the same perspectives as you, you know? Yeah. You're sort of like creating uh, something in this being like, Hey, this is working for us. Uh, you should copy us and do it yourself. Right. And then, uh, there are people that are still suffering from, you know, other aspects of society that aren't, that doesn't come that easy to them, you know? Right. I mean, there's a lot of things we should smash, right? Yeah. But that, that's not saying everything. It's not the same as saying we should just break it all down and start over as, <laughs> as in this tribalistic way. I just right, don't, right. I don't know if I get on with that. Yeah. But I think like the, the overall thing you can take away from that is like, you know, the uh, desire for, for peace and, yeah, absolutely. Know, well, that was the thing that always drove, drove that always um, always uh, attracted me to those bands. Was talking about peace and uh, anti-war stuff. That was always still for- looking so like like Crass was a band that like really kind of like they were very mysterious, right? You know, it was like a it was it was it was like mythical, yeah. And then when I watched that documentary, it really like it puts faces and like voices to just these names and uh, makes it seem much more real and like yeah in some ways doable but uh by that but but by doable i mean like the things that i was just talking about like you know creating like a peaceful environment and sure. um, and one that uh you know values equality and also like you know uh you know diversity yeah, and definitely. unity. But that's diversity. that's that's kind of my point, though, is that there would be very limited diversity, truly, in mm-hmm. those kinds of groups. Because really, the most diverse thing is to have people who have different viewpoints than you. Right. Yeah, that's true. You know, and, and that really struggle. That's why, like, you know, I'm a big fan of the the concept of democratic socialism. Like, you still get mm-hmm. your vote, you still have your say, and you just have to realize you have to contribute to a larger larger group of people than just you know your immediate friends and family. Yeah. We just said the S word, and that's very uh, scary for a lot of people. It is. It's crazy, right? I mean, probably less scary now, thanks to Bernie. But yeah, I, I don't. I'd still, <laughs> it's still. I mean, I, I'm a fan of that idea too. But it's, uh, it's something that I, you know, bring up that word, and yeah. it's, it's so crazy. And I think because it's so tied to communism, like that. Man, so some people, people still, some people, yeah. it's the same thing, and uh, there are plenty of people that are plenty of people that are still alive that you know um offered up 
their lives and new people who gave right. their lives to to abolish that right. ideal. And so it's very, you know, people are very passionate about that sort of thing, and which I, I guess, I, you know, I can understand their passion for it. But it's like, you know, got to yeah. you know, uh, learn a little bit about I think a little more about stuff like that. I think the um, I saw a guy the other day when I was leaving work. He had he was driving just like a Subaru, mm-hmm. like an Outback or something, and he had a license plate frame that said "Socialism has never worked and never will work." Yeah, I think his license plate frame said that. I was like, dude, you're deeply committed. Yeah. If you went and tracked that down about it, <laughs> but then I was thinking, well, I mean, I can actually give you examples of countries where it's. You know, yeah. there's a higher rate of use of socialism, if you can say it like that. You yeah. know, there's just there's more of a, um, a, con- a concerted effort to be involved in that way of governance. Yeah. Um, and those countries seem really happy and prosperous. Yeah. I don't know. I, lo- I love when people use Venezuela as the example. Why oh, it doesn't work? Because it's like showing these pictures of and videos of just like Venezuela. Um, like in like this state of famine yeah, and everything right. like that. And it's like, you really want to let that happen here? And I'm, I think like, well, that's terrible. But I don't remember Venezuela being like the breadbasket of the world. Right. Um, you know, we produce like, it's a petrol like state, 40, man. 30 to 40% of the, the, the world's like, uh, agricultural crops. Well, like, we're the largest economy in the world. Yeah. Period. I mean, end yeah. of story. Well, we live in California, the third largest economy right. in the world. Yeah. Well, seventh. Yeah. Is it seventh now? Yeah, oh, seventh, oh, excuse yeah. me. But yeah, I mean, we have a seventeen trillion dollar GDP, which is what matches our debt, which is like a whole other issue. Like people who, people who obsess over things like the the national debt think that like something like that operates the same as their household debt. Like mm-hmm. it's the same as an actual credit card when it's not at all. Yeah. like that from an economic standpoint. But that just goes to show like the how just prevalent the low low uh, low information voter still is in America. Mm-hmm. But it's nice that punk rock has shaped so much of your own perspective <laughs> on things. It's yeah, I mean it's. Um, I know a lot of people uh, kind of think that's sort of silly, but it's, it's really, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know people who think that. I honestly yeah. don't like. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head who would like laugh at that idea. Uh, I, I do, <laughs> but it's. I get it. I mean, but I, I get how they could think that. But I think it's they just don't understand. Uh, like they when when you when they hear the term punk rock or just punk in general, they they just think of like fast music whereas like you know i think about it as like a an ideology sort of or just like a you know it's a i don't want to say an ideology that's that isn't well there's a cultural aspect yeah i mean but it's a it's and it's not like a concrete way of of thinking or believing but it's definitely like a a guideline of some sort it's about like you know making making the world your own yeah. about um you know shaping uh shape, like shape reshaping the world into like what you yeah what I Ian McKay talked about uh skateboarding as like yeah. a um it's not a sport it's a way of reinventing or revisualizing the world around you yep and uh I thought that was pretty cool but I think a, a you know, punk uh, uh, like that in a lot of ways. Yeah, I do too. Because um, I was never a good skateboarder either. So, <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I like the idea of at a, a punk show, 
the audience is just as important as the band. Yeah. You know, um, you are just as like as an audience member and you're participating in this, this event, you are, um, you are helping, you're contributing into like making it what it is. Right. You're not just like, you know, like you could, if you want to jump on stage, you jump on stage. If you want to, you know, run around, jump into people, you can. Well, that is like the ultimate, find to a seat. That is like the ultimate democratic process, right? It's like, we're all involved in it. Like we're all, we all become a piece of that bigger puzzle. Yeah. And I mean, um, you've got to, uh, you got to protect your scene, you got to protect your, your friends and the people that, that are there too. You know, you need to like help keep that place, that venue, you know, not necessarily, I'm not, when I say venue, I don't really mean like a concert venue, but I mean like, you know, this, the place, like wherever you, wherever you are gathering, you need to, you know, work, you know, as a group, you, you work together to keep that place safe and sacred. yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, get rid of anything that is uh you know detrimental to it you know work that out and uh i think a lot of old old timer punk guys especially people who grew up in the scene out here may think that that's uh that's wrong in that like you know they would say like well when i was in the scene it was very violent and uh yeah. is scary and that's you know that's what that's what punk is and uh, i think that that may have sort of been what it was like around here but not everywhere else in the world right. and uh you know other other regions of the country and the world like people were able to like really band together and like create a, yeah. a really great environment and scene and like you know work as you know it become like a network of yeah people that really well i think that's happened here now too i think so too and it, i mean it's changed a lot i uh i'm so bummed about like that that i was just too young to have ever gone to um coos cafe yeah i've been to coos quite a few times um i looked it up one every night. time i drive by that house i just shake my head i'm like sad about it yeah it seemed like such a great place i looked it up on youtube just typed it in youtube uh one day like probably like a year or so ago and like just um the things that came up were so cool. Like, you know, just like workshops and like gathering uh, people like the speakers, Yeah, you know, it wasn't just about putting on shows there. And I thought that it was, was a really community. Cool. Yeah. It was a real community. That was really cool. And I'm, I'm just bummed that I uh, kind of missed out on that. I um, saw lots of shows there. It was great. Yeah. It was a good space. What uh, was the best show you saw there? Do you remember? You know, I, I don't honestly, because some of the stuff we'd see, it was just about going to coups. Like mm. we didn't really know the bands that were playing necessarily. Gotcha. We'd just go to coups. But a lot of times that was a place for your, your bands that would probably be a little bit more challenging to put on a, on a bigger bill like right. locally. So you would have like a lot of like noise bands, noisy anarcho crusty stuff, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that kind of stuff, you know, extreme noise, violence, all that kind of stuff. So I think I saw a video I may be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure I saw a video of um, Q and Not You playing there. Oh, really? And that's one of my favorite bands that's ever. Cool. I got to open for them once at Chain no Reaction, way. and that was like, like the, one of the crowning achievements of my life. There was a, there was also like a lot of different stuff though, like a lot of there was like folky stuff that would play there, yeah. and like um, you know a lot of like that. Um, I think some of like the female driven riot girl type mm-hmm. of stuff was going on too at the time. I mean, cause that was pretty much at the height of all that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think I was seeing shows there like in 95 and 96 oh, and awesome. stuff. So listen, Hey, 
thanks for redoing the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. For sure. Did you have a good great. time? Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, next time, anytime, anytime. It's yeah, great. we'll do it I'm again for it. sure. We'll have to, uh, I think we talked last time briefly about, uh, we should do just like a, a music podcast. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so too, actually. Um, we should consider that. Um, oh, you know what? I should tell you, we, we talked a little bit about uh, the replacements and yeah. uh, stuff last, last time. And um, I wondered if you'd listened to Royal Headache but yet. Have you heard of Royal Headache from no. Australia? Uh-uh. Oh, they're great. Uh, they kind of remind me a little bit about like a little bit of replacements and a little bit of uh, the jam. Oh, really? It's like a jangly, soulful punk band from Australia. They're Royal great. Headache. I just went and saw them the other night. And they're awesome. All right. I'm going to check them out. But, uh, yeah, they're a great band. Cool. But anyways, yeah. So the reason Jeff, by the way, keeps saying uh, last, last time. time we talked <laughs> is because we did an entire episode that was like almost two hours and I didn't record it correctly and it came out sounding like absolute crap. So we had to redo the show. But I'm glad we did. Um, it was good. And the first one was good too, but you'll never hear it. And this one was also really good. And I'm glad Jeff came over and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad we're buds. It's good yeah. times for sure. Likewise. So uh, as usual, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at DG After Dark. This has been another episode of 3 and 2 and 1. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe, rate, review, all that. Jeff, any parting words? Uh, be excellent to each other. The best. I was thinking about that earlier today. Like, if if we just followed Bill and Ted's <laughs> advice, lo- everything would be yeah, fine. I can't wait till the third one comes out. They're, wor- a, they're working on a third, third one. one. Yeah. Well, I mean, it hasn't started That's production yet, but That's it's weird. Uh, That's just uh, weird. No, it's gonna be great. Uh, it's gonna be great. Same uh, actors. Yeah. Yeah. So, from what I understand, it's gonna be Bill and Ted in their fifties, and they're supposed to have saved and changed the world, but they haven't done it yet. It hasn't come true. <laughs> and they're like really freaking out about why it hasn't come true yet. So I'm really excited. I'm a pretty big Keanu fan. So I'm into it. Point Break. Um, and, Point Break uh, is so overrated. What? Come on, man. That's one of my all-time favorite movies. Point Break and Bill and Ted are just two of the best. Thanks. Okay, on that note, we're just going to go away now. <laughs> Thanks for listening, right. everyone. Bye. Punk is dead, punk is dead, yes that's right, punk is dead, punk is dead, punk is dead, it's just another cheap product for the consumer's head, bubblegum rock on plastic transistors, schoolboy sedition backed by big time promoters, CBS promoted the clash, but not for revolution, just for cash. Punk became a fashion just like hippie used to be And it ain't got a thing to do with you or me Movements are systems and systems kill Movements are expressions of the public will Punk became a movement cause they all felt lost But the leaders sold out and now we all pay the cost And punk is dead, punk is dead Yes that's right, punk is dead Punk is dead, punk is dead, it's just another cheap product for the consumer's head. Punk narcissism was a social napalm.